What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. It is Thursday, November 30th. Wow. Last day of November 2023. And it is indeed a heck of a morning. We are live on the MA Fighting Twitter space. You can hear the show in its entirety shortly thereafter on the MA Fighting Podcasting Network. Hello there, everybody. I am Mike Heck. Hope you're all having a tremendous, tremendous week. There's a lot going on. This weekend in the world of combat sports, we have some boxing, but most of us here are MA fans. We have the UFC's return to the Lone Star State, UFC Austin, coming up on Saturday. This card is real good. It's real good. It's just a, from start to finish, it's just like a slow build, and then it gets real good, and then it gets better, and then it gets better, and then it gets better. It's a super good card. Definitely in the discussion for the best fight night card of the year, at least on paper. With a fantastic main event that I'm looking forward to. Benil Dariush versus Armin Sarukian. I think you all know at this point how high I am on Armin Sarukian. I have been on the Sarukian train for a long time, since before he's even in the UFC. I said... Before he made his UFC debut, I do think that this guy is going to be fighting for a title, if not becoming the lightweight champion. And this is a big step for him. He's a huge favorite to defeat Benil Darius. He's at minus 310. I got to say, as high as I am on Armin Sarukian, if I was a betting man, if I were to place wagers on this card, I'm probably betting Benil Darius at plus 250. I just think this fight... I, I, I completely agree that Sarukian should be the favorite. Minus 310 just seems super wide to me. It just seems like a really wide line. I feel like there's definitely a ton of value on Benil Dariush, but we'll see what happens. We got Jalen Turner, Bobby Green. Bobby Green in the news yesterday. Uh, so was Armin Sarukian and his team. 
And let me just pull this up real quick. It all started with uh, Bobby Green sort of putting some Instagram stories up, basically saying that Armin Sarukian and his team started with him and things happened and all sorts of craziness. And then Bobby Green's team put out a statement, uh, Iridium Sports Agency run by Jason House, that said, quote, during a media interview earlier today, Iridium Sports Agency client Bobby Green was unprovokingly accosted and attacked by a member of Armin Sarukian's team at the UFC host hotel. Bobby tried to avoid the conflict, but he was put in a position where he had to defend himself and his coach from the larger aggressive group. So, yeah, some madness in Austin. There's always, like, fights in Austin anyway, so it kind of tr- it tracks. But Bobby Green versus Jalen Turner – very interesting fight. We'll see if Jalen Turner can make the 155-pound mark. Rob Font versus Davis and Figueredo. Holy smokes. What a great fight that is. Sean Brady welcoming Kelvin Gastelum back to 170. I don't know if you guys have seen the journey on social media for one Kelvin Gastelum, but dude looks in great shape. He looks ready to, to hit the scales tomorrow, and we'll see if he can make it, but he seems in great spirits. <clears throat> seems like this is a movie should have made a long time ago, and He's still pretty young. He's still pretty young, only in his low 30s. So he's still got time. But it's a big fight. Big one for Sean Brady. A lot of people have sort of jumped off the the Sean Brady train since the Bilal Muhammad loss. Some have jumped off even before that, after the third round against Michael Chiesa. So we'll see if he can bounce back. He hasn't fought in a hot minute. Uh, It'll be over a year since we've seen Sean Brady. So... We'll see how he looks against Kelvin Gaslam, Clay Guida, Joaquin Silva. You just know that's going to be just a hectic affair. As will Puna Soriano, Dustin Stoltzfus. Someone's going to sleep there. Misha Tate, Julia Avila, Zach Reese, Cody Brundage. Don't think that one's going to the cards. Jakar Close, Joe Selecki is an interesting fight. You know Steve Garcia and Melchizedek Costa is going to be wild. This is just a good card. It's just a super good card. And I am looking forward to it. And then later on that night, we got BKFC. And this card's ridiculous too. Mike Perry versus Eddie Alvarez. Ben Rothwell versus Todd Duffy in bare knuckle. Holy shit. That's insane. Jimmy Rivera versus Jeremy Stevens. Beck Rawlings, Christine Faria. And then the list goes on and on. A lot of... uh, recognizable names on that BKFC card. So this is going to be a fun weekend, everybody. We got a lot of college football conference championship games. So if you're a sports fan, this is a damn good weekend for you. And yeah, so we'll talk about that. Some, some news in the business and television distribution space in the MMA world as well. PFL is staying with ESPN. They inked a multi-year extension they announced it via the Hollywood Reporter, and looks like the relationship's going to stay the same. They'll have linear programming, lineal programming, pre-fight, post-fight coverage. They'll obviously have the PFL pay-per-view super fight division on ESPN Plus pay-per-view, which is expected to have Francis Ngannou compete on it, Jake Paul in an MMA fight, and no word on what, what's going to happen with the Bellator brand just yet, but... A lot of people seem surprised by this. I don't really seem all that surprised by this. I'm sure 
this is a drop in the bucket for ESPN. I'm sure they're not paying PFL uh, a whole bunch of money like they're paying the UFC. I'm sure this is more of a partnership than anything. And if you're ESPN, why the hell not? Why the hell not? Take a chance. We're going to see how this pay-per-view thing works out. You got Francis. You got Jake Paul. Take a shot. See if it works out. Why not? Curious to see how the the UFC is going to react to this. Uh, Their television deal is going to be coming up not that long from now anyways. I think it's maybe – I think it's like maybe they have another year or two with that. Um, And you know they're going to go for a – for a pretty, pretty penny once that gets shopped around too. So, yeah. So that is what has happened today. And I want to hear from you guys now. So let's get after this shit and let's do the damn thing. Tristan, kick us off. Mike, can you hear me? Yes. Mike, um, my question is towards uh, Julia Alvia. Um, I watched her, uh, I believe, post-fight scrum. And um, I, I really, if she beats Misha Tate and finishes her, I really, I really feel the UFC is going to push her. And God, God willing, I mean, they, they need her. I, I think she's become very important for my estimation. Um, she has the personality. She has the charisma. I think she could create a rivalry against Julia Pena and the other, uh, you know, women that are on the, in the top five or so in that women's bantamweight division. Cause I, I, I think she really could put new blood into that division. Cause I, I know we've talked about it in the nauseum about how bad that woman bandweight division is, but I think she's going to be a key player. I just, I, I just see it in her. I just see the charisma. I think she's fun. She's got the coolest nickname, the Raging Panda. I, I really think this is her time. This is a very important fight. And if she does, goes out there, beats Misha Tate in emphatic fashion and just an incredible win right there, I really believe the USC is going to push her. I think she, she has it all. What, what is your thoughts about Julia Avila and where she could possibly push this woman's bantamweight division? Because they need it. Uh, thanks, Mike, for everything. Thanks, man. Yeah, I love this fight. I love this fight. And I remember when when we confirmed it and, and put it out there, people were like, who cares? Some people were like, who is this Avila girl? Uh, and I get that because you haven't she hasn't fought in a long ass time. It's been two and a half years since the fight with Julia Stoliarenko. And she is like She's had some pretty bad luck since since signing with the UFC. Uh, Julie's been on my radar for a long time. Um, Her first pro fight was Marion Renault in 2012. And then she took quite a few years off and then just came back. She's just a super fun fighter. Like, she's just super fun. She's never, ever in a boring fight. She just goes after you. And she signs to the UFC, she fights Panda Kianzad and just is just reckless in like the best possible way for 15 minutes and just kind of beat the hell out of Panda Kianzad. And then she was booked with Carol Hosa four times. And then she ended up fighting Gina Mazzotti on short notice and she just killed Gina Mazzotti. 22 seconds, 
just punched her a thousand times and took her out of there. Like she is really fun. Then the Nika Montano stuff happens and Nika wasn't getting out of there with anybody, but they kept booking her with her and that wasn't happening. So she took Sajari Eubanks on super short notice and the fight didn't go very well. She just got tackled for most of that fight. And then she gets Stoliarenko win and we haven't seen her since because she went and had a child and she was dealing with some injuries as well. Before that happened, um, she was supposed to fight Raquel Pennington at the end of 2021. And then she had like a really bad knee injury, which I talked to her about. And uh, then she got pregnant and became a mom. So I love the matchmaking here because if Misha wins, they're obviously going to give her a, a little bit of a push. And if Julia wins, that's a great win on the resume and they'll push her. But I think you're right. I think if they, if Julia goes out there and just runs Misha Tate, they will push her because they don't have anybody. They really, this division stinks. It's so bad. And they need players. And Julia could be a player. The problem is, like, I just, I'm so curious about this fight. So curious to see how Julia looks. So curious to see what happens if she can't get a quick finish. Because Julia lost some prime years during this layoff. She's 35 now. A little bit younger than Misha, but she's 35. So we'll see what happens. I I think this is a great fight. I think this is one of the more interesting fights in the entire card. And I'm very much looking forward to it. So we'll see what happens, and it's going to be fun. Just one question. What the hell is going on here? Uh, we will have BTL today, 1230, normal show. We'll do the video thing. We'll be live on YouTube. Uh, Jed is back. Shaheen Alshadi is back. We'll have a lot to discuss. Uh, we'll talk more about the PFL championship event and the vast improvements that need to be made there. Uh, and there's a lot of them, I'm sure. It'll be interesting to hear Jed and Shaheen's perspective on that. We'll talk UFC also. We'll talk BKFC. We'll talk about some of the other news and notes going on in the sport. So it should be fun around 12.30 p.m. Eastern time. And we'll have some fun. We will have some fun. But, yeah, it's going to be a fun little stretch here for the UFC. We got this card that we have UFC Shang Vegas, which, oh, when I found out, that the main card is going to be at 10 p.m. Eastern. I wanted to cry. I was like, come on, man. What are we doing? Why is this happening? I would have preferred it starting at 4 a.m. than 10 10 p.m. Eastern. That card's at – let me pull that one up. Let's pull that one up and see where we're at. And then obviously it's on the – we'll be – Knocking on the door of UFC 296, which, Jesus Christ, that card is awesome. Uh, let's see. UFC Shang Vegas, Song Yidong, Chris Gutierrez, Anthony Smith, Khalil Roundtree. I like that fight a lot. Sumaderji, Alan Nascimento, Andre Muniz, Jun Young Park. Love that fight. Hak Paras Malarkey, Hyun Sung Park versus Shannon Ross, Tetsuro Tyra. Finally getting back in there. One of the top prospects at 125 pounds against Carlos Hernandez. That fight's going to be crazy. Kanan Song is back versus Kevin Jusset. Stephanie Yeager, Luana Santos, Ryan Dos Santos, the former 
Invicta Atomweight champion makes her UFC debut against Talita Alencar uh, to kick off UFC Shank Vegas. So we got Austin, which is great. This card is okay. And then 296 rules. So a lot to like here. A lot to like. CV, go ahead. Morning, Mike. Heck of a morning. Um, just want to talk about Ian Gary. Um, do you think um, out of all the fighters in the UFC, he has like the lowest uh, approval rating right now? Like he's on the headlines for all the wrong reasons. And um, I agree with, with you with what you said um, the other day. I think the the press conference for 296 is going to be absolutely god-awful. Thanks. So, yeah, it's going to be god-awful for me. Like, I'm, like, I truly hope that, like, it's one of those things where, oh, you know what? I probably won't have to cover it because I'll be in Orlando for the Jake Paul card. Um, I think Ariel's going to be there as well, but yeah, that, dude, that press conference has got to be awful. Um, now there are some people who are going to enjoy it because people love chaos and love just absolute anarchy on that stage. And I get it. If you're giving me the choice between what we had for 295 and what we could get for 296, Boy, they're both kind of bad for their own reasons. Because 295 was like the complete opposite of what 296 is going to be. And that was not really thrilling at all. But 296 is just going to be nuts. And it's going to be a whole bunch of stuff. You know, Colby's got a whole bunch of Ian Gary stuff ready to go. I'm sure Leon's going to have some Ian Gary stuff ready to go. And then there's Patty and Tony. And it's going to be just wild. It's going to be crazy. Ian Gary's approval rating. Yeah, it's probably it's it it's not good. It's not good right now. Um, I have to like look. I don't the whole thing with with his wife and all that stuff. Like, I'm not gonna touch that. Um, I don't really care. I I've met and spoken to Ian many times. He's been nothing but great to me. Uh, I've spoken and met his wife a few times and she's been nothing but nice and, and great to me as well. So um, I'm not going to get into any of that stuff. I'll let whoever wants to get into it, get into it. Not my cup of tea. What I will get into is some of the other things that have been said about him. Firstly, it all sort of started with the Leon Edwards thing that Ian Gary was, was training at renegade with Leon Edwards and was basically asked to leave the gym and both Guys have kind of given their sides of things. You get one side, then the other, and somewhere in the middle is the truth. And I tend to side more with Leon for a lot of things because when, and this is the good and the bad of being savvy with production and social media and doing all these things because Ian Gary, as a young up and comer, Understands the importance of this stuff. Understands, you know, the value of production and all that stuff. The problem is when you go into somebody else's gym and you are training with the champion of your division and you're bringing in cameras and filming everything, that's not good. That's not good. Leon Edwards is getting ready to fight Colby Covington in a huge fight for him. And if he wins this fight, like it, op- it could potentially open different kinds of doors for him where 
he gets to put a lot of like the old guard behind him and face newer challenges. But if he loses to Colby, like this is tough. Like the division changes forever and he probably doesn't get another title shot anytime soon. So there's a lot on the line. So I get where Leon's coming from. And then, you know, a lot of the other fighters have, have mentioned similar things. And I am with them on that. Like you, I totally agree, especially when you have fighters in your own division who you could potentially fight to be bringing in cameras and all that stuff. If that's what's happening, uh, not very good. That's, that's not a good look. And I totally understand why a gym would be like, nah, dude, you can't, you can't do that either. Excuse me, either lose the cameras or you just can't train here. So I get it. I totally get that. And then I just think there's, you know, other people like Sean Brady was talking about it as well. Um, some people just don't really know either. So it's just, yeah, Ian is not in a great place headline wise right now, but you know what changes everything? Going out and winning fights. Doesn't matter. Ian Gary goes out there. It might, it's going to be a tough couple of weeks for Ian Gary. It's going to be a tough couple of weeks. He's going to go to media day. He's going to have to deal with it. He's going to have to sit through that press conference and just get battered by Colby and other people as well. Uh, but he goes out there and just wrecks shop against Vicente Luque. I'm not going to say people are going to forget about it, but they're going to kind of forget about it, and it's going to be about, oh, shit, this dude's really good at fighting. And at the end of the day, that's really all that matters because there have been people in this sport who have done some heinous shit, but you go out there and win, and it's like none of it matters. So, yes, right now his Q score is not great, but – he goes out there and just beats the shit out of Vicente Luque and has a tremendous performance on the last pay-per-view of the year. It really doesn't matter all that much. So, yeah, it's going to be a tough couple weeks for, for Ian Gary. And if he loses to Vicente Luque, yowzer. It's going to be a tough – it's going to be a tough holiday for him. It's going to be a tough holiday for him. But like I said, winning changes everything, and we'll see. But as far as the other stuff goes, I, I ain't touching that shit. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's 
S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Uh, let's go to Edward. Edward, go ahead. Edward, you're muted. Edward. Hello. There we go. Yes, I have you. Hey, man, thank you. First time here. What's uh, up? Man, I love MMA. Uh, I just enjoy listening to it. Uh, y'all talk about it and everything. Uh, enjoy all fa- facets of it. Uh, all three of my sons are wrestlers in high school. One of them is a state champ. The oldest one is Christopher's a state champ. Uh, we love it, man. Uh, just glad to be part of it. the podcast here, man. Thank you for calling on me. Yeah, absolutely, man. Do you have any questions or anything? Anything you want to talk about? Well, uh, actually, man, yeah, my oldest one who just won the state championship in, in Georgia here, he wants to go and actually pursue a career in the MMA. He wants to go to Las Vegas, and I'm hoping maybe you guys can help me out by giving me some maybe a name or something I can get in contact with. So send him on his way to start his journey of life. Well, that's cool, man. Uh, thank you, Edward. I appreciate the kind words. Uh, best of luck to to the wrestling family. And that's awesome, man. That's awesome. I mean, Vegas is a pretty damn good place to go. Pretty damn good place to go. Uh, I mean, there's a couple of really big gyms, obviously. Syndicate uh, with John Wood is a gym that's uh, obviously very big. You can't help but it, you cannot ignore the success that Extreme Couture has had. Uh, Eric Nixick, the head coach over there. Uh, you can't really go wrong you can't, with either of those gyms. It, uh, my, basically, what I would say is, you know, just talking to fighters about this in the past, I would probably take a trip. Check out both. Check out both and see how he does. You know, see how he meshes with each different coach, coach and different group and all that stuff. I'm sure there's different ways to, to get in there and try it out and, and go check it out. But yeah, I mean, extreme couture is a great gym. Uh, they're very welcoming from what I understand. Um, he might get tested a little bit, especially if he wants to go with like the pros and stuff. I don't know if he wants to do that right off the bat, but, um, yeah, I would, I would probably just go in there and just try to work with both. There's, there's other gyms in Vegas as well. And just give it a shot. See which one he meshes the best with and kind of go from there. But, yeah, that's awesome. Like I said, like I've been saying for a long time, you think the evolution of the sport is like at its peak now? We aren't even close. We are not even close. Because we got, you know, state champion wrestlers. We got kids who are like 10 years old right now who – are state champion wrestlers in their own right. Some are national champion wrestlers at a super young age that are only wrestling to get ready for a career in MMA. I've talked to kids, uh, you know, kids of parents that I do CrossFit with who are, who are wrestlers and they travel around and they compete in these big tournaments and they want to be MMA fighters at like 10, 11 years old. It's crazy crazy to think about i was 10 11 years old i'm like i want to play 
I want to be either be a game show host or a professional baseball player. I wasn't certainly wasn't thinking about getting punched in the face for a living, but it's a whole different world now. Also, I'm old as hell. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Big Mike, what's going on, man? What's up, brother? Man, um, question. So, um, in recent in the recent win for J- uh, Jason Jackson uh, being the welterweight champion at, at Bellator, um, I just wanted to see what you thought how he would fare with the UFC welterweights. Um, and I don't know, I, I don't know if you uh, listened to the interview with Brendan Allen and when he was talking about uh, Ian Garrigan just knocked out or you know put to sleep in one of the sparring sessions and someone alluded that it was jason jackson that put him out but you know no one's obviously going to say anything um for those reasons but yeah i just want to get your thoughts on that man appreciate you yeah man uh jason jackson look it, jason jackson of the ufc would be really interesting because he trains with like half of the top welterweights like Usman, Luke, Gilbert Burns, like all those guys have spent a lot of time putting over Jason Jackson and the importance of the role he has at Kilcliffe FC. Dude is, I, I gotta say of all the like moments that have happened this year. And there are a lot of them. And you react to them and you have different emotional feelings for all of them. But Jason Jackson beating Yaroslav Amosov and performing the way he did and getting a championship belt wrapped around his waist. like to, Honestly, as somebody who has <clears throat> been interviewing and talking to Jason Jackson on and off for seven years now, I mean, that is friggin' cool, man. He has come so close to so many big things only to like come up short or like bad luck has happened. And then it just seemed like it took him forever to get to a title shot. And then he wins it. And it's just, fuck, man. Like, it's just poetic that Jason Jackson is the last. Him performing like that is the last thing of that old iteration of Bellator. That's freaking cool, man. That is freaking cool. How would he do in the UFC? I don't know. I don't know. Dude is super solid everywhere. He's got incredible fight IQ. The dude can punch. He can grapple his ass off. Uh, He understands the opposition so, so well. Is he always the most exciting guy to watch? No. But does the man know how to win? Yes. So, yeah, I think it would be kind of interesting. And then I saw the Brendan Allen thing uh, about Ian and some other things. Again, I, I don't know. I wasn't there, so... Let's see. I want to pull this up because I saw this the other day and I haven't really talked about it. Don Davis tweets out in just Don Davis fashion. Uh, nine weight classes. Which company wins five to prove it has the best fighters? Let's see. So heavyweight, he proposes in Gano versus Jones. That's interesting. 135, Mix versus O'Malley. Interesting fight. I think people just look at it on paper and think Mix just washes Sean O'Malley. I don't think that's the case. I would probably pick Mix, but I think that fight's closer than people think. 145, Pitbull versus Volkanovski. This is probably the easiest pick of all. Uh, Volkanovski just runs Pitbull. 155, OAM versus Makachev. Dude, come on. 
That's Makachev all day. Uh, Magomed Karamov or Jackson versus Leon Edwards. I'd probably pick Leon against both. Um, yeah, I'd pick Leon against both. Eblin versus Strickland. <sighs> Again, interesting fight. A lot of people would look at that on paper and think Eblin all day, but Strickland is tough as hell, man. It's a tough fight. Nemkov Pereira again. People probably look at that on paper and say Nemkov probably runs over Pereira again. I don't know. Uh, Dekeva, Dekeva versus Whaley. Come on, Whaley runs. That's not even close. Uh, Kayla Pacheco or Cyborg versus Pena at one forty-five. Doesn't really seem all that fair, for being honest. First of all, Pena's not even the champion. I think the UFC probably wins a lot of those. But it's close. It's super close. But shout out to Don Davis for kind of changing course a little bit too. This whole I think I I think Don kind of understood how people reacted to the co-leader bullshit um that he said we're already the co-leader by making this move. We've we have the Dana, we have Dana White worried with this Bellator acquisition, which is absolute horseshit too. Uh, but at least after the, the card, Don Davis tweeted out PFL 2023 championship. Perfect again to PFL chapter one. We became the number two MMA global company in the first five years. Perfect start to PFL chapter two. We will become MMA co-leader in the next five years. So at least he's, at least he's changed the tune a little bit. So I respect that, but I still don't think that's going to happen in the next five years either. Um, and if this all, this all doesn't work, then they're not even going to be around in five years, in my, uh, in my humble opinion. So this is going to be an interesting five years. That's for sure. Henry, go ahead. Hey, Mike. Heck of a morning. Long time no speak. Uh, I just want to start on uh, Bo Nickel because uh, as a prospect, I'm pretty high on him. But I kind of... I feel like a lot of people aren't talking about the fact that he's, his body's probably like pretty damn beat up already from wrestling. And although I feel like he has a super high ceiling, I don't really feel like he's long for this MMA world. Um, yeah, so I was just wondering, where do you think he'll be by the end of 2024? And is he going to be fighting? I'm going to guess it's going to be at UFC 300 next. Um, also, on a personal note, um, I've been having a bit of a rough time recently, and I just want to thank you guys at the MMA Fighting Crew just for constantly putting out amazing content and being such a comfort blanket. Uh, I lost my best friend on the 18th of November in a hit and run at 24 years old on the night of the Allen Craig fight. Um, just been going through a terrible time. Uh, I know Viking's been honest about his struggles here, and I just want to say thank you to you guys for always putting out amazing content and just being incredible people. Uh, yeah, you're great at your jobs and you're really appreciated. And yeah, thanks to everyone in this room. I love you all. Love MMA. Peace out. Man, so golly, I'm so sorry to hear that, man. And I, I, I appreciate the kind words and yeah, hearing that stuff like makes my day. Uh, but again, super, I'm so sorry that happened to you uh, and that you're dealing with all that and, Thoughts of prayers go out to, to you and everybody else uh, who are friends and family of, of your friend. That sucks, man. That's horrible. Tough to transition from that. Um, Bo Nickel. So here's – I've heard a lot of people sort of bring this up to me. I got a lot of DMs about this too. 
And like I talked about before, we're doing the um, we're already getting buy sell suggestions in for the end for the 2024 prediction show. A ton of Bo Nickel questions already um, about where he's going to be in 2024. And some people brought up some of those points too, like maybe his body is not ready for this MMA world, etc. Um, I actually think Bo's been pretty smart here. It just doesn't like a lot of people when he came in was like, Oh, the UFC is just going to push him and he's going to have three fights. Like I, I started listening to the 2023 prediction show. One of the questions that was buy sell questions was Bo nickel would be a top 10 UFC middleweight by the end of 2023. And AK bought it. I almost bought it, but I elected not to because I thought he was going to have to fight three or four times, and I didn't think he would get, one, that sort of volume schedule, and two, I didn't think he'd get a name kind of good enough to at least put him in that consideration. So I ended up selling that one. But Bo just getting a lot of momentum from the two wins and then saying, like, you know what? I don't care how much momentum I lose. I'm taking the rest of the year off. I'll fight first quarter of 2024. None of that stuff matters. I'm not in a big rush. That tells me that he is very smart. That tells me that he understands his body, and that tells me there's maybe a little bit of truth to what you said there, Henry, that maybe he's thought about that. He's thought about the wear and tear and the mileage he has put on his body with wrestling and competing at such a high level that he doesn't want to be the like Kevin Holland and fight four or five times a year. He wants to pick his spots and kind of do the thing. Now, there's talks about there, – there's a lot of things in mind. Like so, UFC 300 is a question I keep getting. Like is Bo Nickel fighting UFC 300? Apparently he's saying that. But you have to think as well, uh, like I've talked about over the last couple of weeks on the show when it comes to locations of pay-per-views, um, March could be in Miami. Sean O'Malley already tweeted out Miami for him and Cheeto, which would be awesome. And I have a feeling, especially with how Dana White has talked about Miami on certain interviews. I know he did the sit down with the full send guys and talked about how Miami is like the new LA. It's like the new hotspot. Uh, I think the UFC is probably going to make that a regular stop. I don't know if it's going to be every single year, but I think after the success of 287, I think it's probably going to be, once every 18 months at least that they go to Miami. So if that's the case, like Bo Nichols from, he trains an American top team. So him fighting in Miami would be a pretty easy trek for him, would it not? So maybe he fights on that car, maybe 300. Either way, I think people are going to be interested to see who he fights. And look, there's a fight coming up on Saturday between Puda Soriano and Dustin Stoltzfus. And I think whoever wins that fight, I think that's the perfect next fight for Bo Nickel. I see a lot of people throwing him up there. They want to chuck him right in there with Anthony Hernandez. I'm like, come on, man. Guys got two fights. He beat rankings wise, probably the two worst middleweights in the division. And you want to throw him in there with Fluffy? Come on, man. There's no need to rush him. So yeah, first quarter, maybe early second quarter for Bo. And I think any momentum you may have lost by the layoff. We'll come right back because they're going to match make him match make for him appropriately. There's no need to rush him. Uh, Daniel, go ahead. Thanks for taking me. Um, I have a question about uh, Hamza Chimaev. And um, <clears throat> didn't he mention to uh, 
that he liked to fight Alex Pereira in the light heavyweight. And uh, is this, in your opinion, is this more like uh, like this typical um, Hamzat talk? Uh, because in my opinion, uh, his last performances, uh, he left more question marks in my mind than that I can see him doing this uh, or be successful in this kind of fight. And do you think uh, Dana is maybe uh, supporting this idea or is is he maybe, um, should he fight another guy in the light heavyweight before he gets a title shot? And uh, what you would uh, recommend uh, for uh, for for the career, the next steps for Hamzat? Thank you, Mike. Dude, no, he's not going to fight Alex Pereira. No chance, zero chance. He doesn't even have like a like. He moved up to one eighty five and fought a welterweight, and like you said, left more questions than answers. So. I think this is just Hamzat doing what he's been doing, just staying in the news, staying in the cycle, keeping his name top of mind, which isn't um, like a terribly bad idea. But no, he's not going to get that fight. He's not going to get that fight. What I would guess for him is my guess, him and Paulo Costa in Saudi Arabia. I have no insight to this whatsoever. So don't be like, oh, Mike Hex reporting this. No, I'm not reporting anything. I don't know. But if I, if I was putting together the schedule for 2024, uh, Shamayev Costa would be the fight to make. And I think Saudi Arabia would be like a very safe spot to put that fight. If there's any real travel issues for... For Hamzad, don't have to worry about it with them going to Saudi Arabia. And at this point, after watching everything that happened with Nganu and, and Fury and all that, sports washing, like, who cares um, to those people? Uh, they roll out the red carpet for the athletes, and they make it a very big deal. So, yeah, that'd be a damn good one. I know DC was saying maybe do Makachev and Oliveira on that card, but it's fight night. Do you want to put Makachev on a fight night card? I mean, you could. Because you're going to get a whole bunch of money. But I don't know. But either way, I think I think Shemayev Costa should be on that card. For sure. That's what I would do. But no, he's not going to fight Pereira at 205. Pereira's got like Pereira's got plenty of options at 205 and Shemayev ain't one of them right now. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th 
Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Henderson, go ahead. Hey, Mike. Henderson. Hey, hey, Mike. Heck of a morning to you, man. Um... I, I wanted to call in because uh, some news just came out about PFL and ESPN signing a multi-year deal. Um, and I look back and I made a prediction before PFL um, signed Francis back in May. And I said, first, they're going to sign Francis. Then they'll buy Bellator. And then they'll convince Disney ESPN to go all in on them and to not re-sign the UFC. So that was my prediction at the time. And then they signed Francis, they bought Bellator, and now they have a multi-year deal. Um, I believe it's all PFL regular season playoffs and, and championships plus PFL pay-per-views. So not Bellator and not uh, PFL international events, but the main heart of PFL is going to be on ESPN for the near future. So do you think the final element of my prediction will come true and that ESPN will at some point decide either soon or whenever their next contract discussion is UFC is way more expensive for them to keep than PFL. And if they put money into PFL, they could have even more control and they don't have to deal with Dana and Vince McMahon and all this craziness that goes on with the UFC, they can go to the PFL where there's no elbows. It's not as bloody and they can get more bang for their buck. So want to hear what you thought about that. And uh, also I'm really excited for this card coming up. Um, and I think it just goes to show how much better the UFC is and how much better they aspire to be when there's actual fans in attendance. So have a great morning. Thanks, man. Um, do I think your prediction will come true? I'm going to say no. But if it does, it's not going to be because ESPN got out of the UFC business. It's because UFC got out of the ESPN business, if that makes sense. ESPN, even though they're paying so much money to the UFC, like, let's be honest now. If, e if the UFC didn't sign with ESPN and they put out ESPN Plus, do you think they would have 75% of the subscribers they have? Do you? I wouldn't subscribe to it without the UFC. Like, the UFC is making them so, like, they're paying. The UFC is making a ton of money off ESPN, but the UFC is also making ESPN a shitload of money. Like ESPN plus is thriving because of the UFC. It's not because of the extra programming and stuff. Like that's just bonus, but it, like it's all because of the UFC. It's all because of it. They have millions and millions of, of subscribers. And I can damn well assure you that it ain't because of the PFL that they have these subscribers. It ain't. It's not at all. It's not at all. 
And if they announce tomorrow, hey, we're out of the UFC business, we're just all in on PFL, I will guarantee to you that 60 to 70% of subscribers are out. Out. So I think ESPN probably got a deal with PFL. When you have Francis about to fight, you have potentially Jake Paul about to fight, it is completely worth the risk to throw a little bit of shekel on the PFL for another few years. Because why not? Why not? Their ratings have been pretty decent uh, on television and on the streaming. But, I mean, the PFL aren't bringing in new subscribers. They're just bringing in MMA. Like, MMA fans who already have it to watch the UFC are like, oh, PFL is on ESPN+, Plus. I'll watch. You know what I mean? So, yeah. It's worth the, it's worth the risk. It's worth the risk. And if... And I, I will tell you right now, when the UFC's TV deal gets to a point where they can negotiate with everybody, uh, if the UFC leaves ESPN, it's because they're making way – they're going to get so much money on this TV deal, it's not even funny. Like so much money. And ESPN, I think, will be willing to pay it. But there could be others out there that are willing to pay more. But if that relationship dissolves, it's not going to be because – well, Dana, guys, we're all in on the PFL now. We're all in. Uh, you guys cost too much. Uh, we're going to take this relationship away. It ain't going to be because of that. It's going to be because the UFC is like, hey, Universal just offered us a floppity kabillion dollars. Can you match it? Nah, man, it's too much. All right, peace out. Like that's that's will be why that relationship would dissolve. It wouldn't be because, oh, no, we're – we're going with the underdog here, not you guys. No, because that would be a terrible decision considering how much money they have both made each other. Uh, Four Quarter Sports, go ahead. Hey, Mike, I totally agree with you when you say that 65 to 75% of uh, subscribers subscribe for uh, ESPN Plus because of uh, the UFC. Originally, I don't know if you, if you remembered, the ESPN Plus was putting out really good content, especially with the 30 for 30. But now they have it on squat, and I feel like they got very, you know, um, you know, just lazy and just allowing, a, what's it called, the same nonsense, you know, to develop. Because nobody really watches what's it called, places and stuff like that. Um, the majority of the subscribers really do, you know, you know, chime in just to see what, what's happening with uh, the UFC. But um, what I really wanted to talk about was uh, this weekend's fight, Davidson Figueredo versus, versus Rob Font. I feel like that's the the fight that might end up uh, winning a fight of the night. Um, how long do you predict the fight end up going? And I feel like Davidson Figueredo is going to be the smaller fighter. Um, I feel like he's in a very awkward position because he's he has a tough time cutting down to 125. But... He's gonna be too small to fighting 135ers. Um, how do you how do you project like this fight going? And if he wins, do you see him having some success um, in the division long term? I love this fight. I'm intrigued by it. But I'm with you. I think Rob Font, like Rob, Rob's a pretty big guy. Like he, he, when you stand next to Bantamweight, you don't think they're that big. Rob's pretty big bantamweight. Like he's a pretty big dude. 
Uh, he's gonna be way bigger than Figueredo. Way bigger. Uh, right now, Rob Font's minus one thirty-five. I think there's tremendous value on Rob Font in this fight. Uh, could Figgy just be? Figgy's obviously gonna be healthier because he has fight to one, fight at one twenty-five. Um, but at the same token, like he's gonna be the smaller dude, and I don't think he can finish Rob. I don't think he can knock Rob out. I think Rob could definitely knock Figueredo out. I think there's so many ways Rob could win this fight. Now, if Figueredo were to win this fight, he's going to have to tackle Rob Font a bunch and, be, and try to keep that man down, which is not going to be easy to do. I'm sure Rob took a lot away from that Sanhagen fight. I'm sure it's something that he's worked on. But Font is the better striker. Font's the more experienced guy in this weight class. Font's going to be the bigger guy. Athleticism, I'm not really sure. I think we're going to kind of see how it plays out. But Figgy, with this whole thing with, with, with Moreno and this entire run, like Figgy took a lot of damage in those fights. Like he took a lot of damage in those fights. And Rob hits harder than Brandon Moreno does. So... I think Rob's live for a knockout. I think he's live for – I mean, there's – I think there's tons of value on Rob Font at minus 135. I think he wins this fight. I, I don't think Figgy – unless Figgy can – unless Figgy just wrestles him a whole lot and is able to keep Rob on his back, I just don't see a world where he wins this fight. I, I just – I don't. And this isn't New England bias. This is just my eyes telling me. He's going to have a really hard time getting inside of Rob in terms of landing strikes. Fob can keep him away with this jab. And then when Figgy gets inside, I think Rob has a lot of like really crafty tricks to make you pay for that. Just ask Adrian Yanez about that. You know, Rob is bigger. Getting to Rob and trying to get inside there. Yeah, Yanez was having some success, but Rob figured him out. Turned it into a hockey fight almost. Able to kind of plumb the back of Yanez's head and land those short little uppercuts. Like Rob is nasty, man. I think this is a really tough fight to, to enter 135 with. They should have went right to the Cody Garbrandt fight, but Cody's already booked. They get that, but yeah, we'll see. But I think I think Rob's gonna win this fight. I think Rob's gonna win. But it's a good matchup. Uh, yes. What's up? Hey, boys? how are you? <clears throat> Good. Uh, heck of a morning. Uh, I just wanted to know if you guys already talked about Robert Whitaker, because um, I saw a post on I think it was Twitter where he, it was a screenshot where he posted I guess him training and then he tagged uh, Paulo Costa in that. Do you have any I guess info on that or is that a fight you could see happening soon? That's all, Mike. Mm, maybe if I'm if I'm Robert Whitaker, why would I ever take that fight? Why would I do that? You've already been down this road before, and then the fight didn't happen. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I don't see it. I don't know who Rob's going to fight, to be honest. Dude, throw him in there with Iker Malaskaroff. That's the fight I want to see. Like, let's, te- let's test Alex Garoff, like, big time and see what he can do. Like, let's just see. Let's just see. Rob's fought pretty much everybody else. I'd rather see Costa fight Shemaev than Whitaker. But who knows? I just don't know if Rob... Rob's basically said, like, why would I try to do that again to myself 
and then not fight. You know what I mean? So I'd be kind of shocked if that happened, but who the hell knows? Viking, go ahead. Yes, Viking. I just came here to share my thoughts. Just going through a very bad situation. I'm going through an OCD, obsessive, obsessive compulsive disorder. Mm, life, life sucks right now so much. Mm, I'm not even touching anything, anyone. Not even shaking hand. If someone visit my, visit my house, I clean the space. It's too much. I'm washing my hand more than more than 50 times in a day luckily you are you lives in the us at least you have something over there but not here going through a very bad very very bad situation man i'm telling you this because i think i consider you as my brother so that's why i'm here and all the listeners they are very good people that's why thank you Sorry to hear that, Viking. Hope everything turns around for you, my man. And uh, we're all cheering for you. We had somebody call in earlier and, and and shout you out for for being, you know, open and honest on this show. And I think we could all appreciate that, man. And we're we're all rooting for you. We are all rooting for you. That is for sure. Uh, we have Abzualia, and then we have Nicholas, and then we got to go. Uh, so Abzualia. Kick us off. Uh, let's go rapid fire. Go What's ahead, up, man? Sir. How you doing? Yes. Yeah, so just two questions. My first question is about Dan Hooker. Um, I would definitely love to, you know, see him run his fight back with Bobby Green. If whether Bobby Green wins or loses on Saturday, Saturday night. Um, but I, if they don't end up making that fight, I would be interested in maybe seeing him fight, you know, um, Renato Morcano or maybe Grant Dawson or someone around those uh, lines because. You know, realistically, he's not going to be a like a contender for the division. I mean, he's he's not that guy, but he's definitely good enough to be gatekeeper. I think he can rack up a few wins, make some interesting matchups. And another question I have: This is about Hamza Chimaev. Um, let's say if he wins the title, presumably next year, um, and Shavkat Rachmanov wins the title next year, and maybe both sides rack up one or two title defenses. Do you see the UFC possibly making a potential super fight out of this matchup between those two? Because we know the fans have long-term um, yearned for a matchup between both of them. Their fine skills and styles go hand-to-hand really well, especially like a classic grappler, striker type of fight. And, you know, obviously to... I think that's one of those fights which could surprisingly even get the non-MMA fans invested into the fight. What are your thoughts on that? Mm, maybe maybe I don't know we're again we're not now we're back to you know champion versus champion fights and trick is two plus C golly man been doing so well you've been doing so well and then you had to go out and say the thing that just made me so upset I'm going to go after the 205-pound title after I beat Sean Strickland. Why? Why? Why do we keep doing this? Jesus. But, you know, 
on the Shafkat Hamzat train. Yeah, maybe. But again, if Hamzat wins the middleweight title, he's got plenty of dudes to fight. And if Shafkat wins the welterweight title, he's got actually way more guys to fight. So could it happen someday? Sure. Do I care right now? No. Uh, if Shafkat like, if Shafkat wins the welterweight title and then has like five defenses and then it's just like, okay, I've done everything here. Now I'm going to go up to 185. I'm relinquishing the welterweight title. Then sign me the fuck up. But this is his whole, Hey, I'm going to go up to 185, but if I lose, I'll still defend this belt. No, I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. We've seen enough of it. Damn you, Conor McGregor for ruining this all. I would rather see Shafkat run off like a dozen title defenses at welterweight. That to me is way more cool. I'm not going to go on the soapbox and talk about this. Go crazy again, but stop it with the, um, as soon as I win the belts, I'm moving up. Like, stop it. No, 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 no. Nicholas, go ahead. Hey man, what's going on? What's up, man? Uh, I was just wondering, Bobby Green, if he wins this Saturday, uh, does he have a possibility to get into the top five at uh, the end of 2024? It's a big shot for him now, and uh, hopefully he gets it done. Thanks, man. Yeah, someone mentioned, um, yeah, Abzali mentioned maybe when Dan Hooker comes back, rebooking the Bobby Green fight. Um, I kind of feel like, look, I'll, I'll just kind of combine them here. If Bobby Green wins, they're going to push him. They're going to push him. Um, I think, especially with everything that happened yesterday, they're probably going to book Bobby Green against Armin Sarukian next, like no matter what happens. I think that kind of makes a lot of sense. You probably have to keep teams away from each other. But like even if Armin beats Benil and Green beats Turner, like what else is Armin going to do? Because he can't fight for the belts. I don't think Poirier is going to fight him. I don't think Chandler is going to fight him. I don't think Gaethje is going to fight him. I just think he's going to kind of have to just fight whoever and win in order to stay where he's at. And Bobby Green gets a big step up. Like we've been talking, I've been talking about this for years. Others at the site have as well. If there's a guy in the UFC right now that can have a Masvidal-ish run, it's Bobby Green. It's Bobby Green. People like Bobby. He goes out there and beats Grant Dawson and Jalen Turner back to back. Like he's off to the races, man. The UFC's got to push him. And I would have bet. <clears throat> I would have taken Bobby Green over Dan Hooker anyways because I just think Jalen Turner took a lot out of him in that fight. Um, and unfortunately for Mr. Dan Hooker, uh, when he is ready to come back, he's probably going to have to fight Benoit Saint-Denis. And yikes, that could be a rough night for him. I like Dan a lot. And he, uh, <clears throat> he showed so much grit in that Jalen Turner fight. Like, I, I mean, just blown away. I've gone back and rewatched that fight. The amount of damage Dan Hooker took in that fight and was able to just grit it out and just outdog Jalen Turner was so impressive. I just don't know how many more times he could do that before the, the damage catches up to you. And I would have I would have picked Bobby Green over Dan Hooker a lot, mostly for that reason. But 
yeah, Bobby Green, Dan Hooker. It's going to be a fun fight, and Bobby wins. They're going to they're gonna push him. They're definitely going to push him. Top five, end of the year, none of that even matters. None of that even matters. Rankings don't matter with Bobby Green. Eddie, go ahead. Eddie, are you there? Uh, it's not going through. Uh, bounce out, bounce back in. We'll try to get you in. Uh, Martin, go ahead. Martin, just unmute yourself. Oh, sorry. <laughs> there we go. I got you. What's up, man? Um, Kamar Usman, what do you think? Stays at middleweight or one last run at uh, welterweight? It's mm. a good question. Because that could actually be the answer for Robert Whitaker is Usman. Um, <clears throat> Eddie, if you want to like just remove yourself altogether, not from the room, but just uh, undo your request to speak and then re-request, uh, usually that works. Because uh, right now it's not connecting on your end. Um, I think Usman's going to kind of wait and see what happens December 16th. Because if Colby wins the welterweight title, I wouldn't be shocked if Usman stays at welterweight because that fight could happen, folks. It could happen. It absolutely could. Usman's already got two wins over Colby. Colby wants that one back. And if Colby wants to play the I ain't fighting anybody but Kamar Usman game, the UFC seems to listen. So I think he'll wait and see. I think there's a part of him that kind of hopes Leon wins so he can just stay at 185. But, yeah, Usman Whitaker is fun. You could do that. But if Colby wins, he might find, his, find himself in a title fight. So I think we're going to have to kind of wait and see what happens there. Eddie, do we have you now? Hello. Yes, hello. Yeah, uh, I just wanted to ask. Um, I'm going to the – I got tickets to the UFC 296. So I'm going to go to that on Saturday. I just wanted to know if for the Friday ceremonials, is it free? Or do I got to pay to get in? And then also hot take, but I think uh, Tony Ferguson is going to beat Patty Pimblett 100%. No, don't doubt about it. Thanks, man. Uh, yeah, it is free. The press conference is free as well. <clears throat> that press conference is going to be absolute ridiculousness. So, yeah, I mean, if that for that card, I'd probably go to everything. Just experience it all. Um, I I'm sure there'll be other things happening. I think there's a power slap event. So probably, I don't know. That's your cup of tea. Go to freaking power slap. Hopefully you don't have to pay to go. Um, but yeah, ceremonials are free and there'll probably be some meet and greets. Just yeah, do the whole thing. Experience it all. But 296 should be awesome. Cannot wait for that card. What a, a great way to end the year. And I got to tell you, the Tony Ferguson beating Patty may seem like a hot take to you, but from the DMs I get, excuse me, not really a hot take anymore. A lot of people seem to think Tony's going to go in there and beat Patty. And to me, uh, this has been a funny year where just like the things that weren't supposed to happen happen. 
Tony going out there and beating Patty would be one of the funniest things that has happened this year. It just would. And I don't mean that like because I did, you know, dislike Patty or anything. It's just when we say like things are funny, it's just it's funny for like the UFC because like what made Sean Strickland beating Izzy so funny is that the UFC went in there and was like, "There's no chance Sean Strickland's going to win." We're going to make Izzy fight Sean. He's going to win, and then we'll do the DDP fight. And then Sean just goes in there and just drubs Izzy for 25 minutes. That's what's funny. Sean O'Malley knocking out Aljamain Sterling. I mean, that's kind of what the UFC wanted, but like all these plans, like Aljo wins, he's going to move up to 145, and then the division gets normal anyway. So like even if Aljo wins, like they could still get what they want. And Sean O'Malley's like, nah, just going to kick him in the face. And I'm just going to knock out Aljo and, and win the belt. I'm just going to knock him down and, and be, be, just beat him. And we're going to send Aljo to 145 to have to earn his spot as opposed to like getting booking a fight with Volkanovski. Like funny, just funny things. Patty losing to Tony would be probably at the top of the list. I just don't know what would be like it more insane. Um, and there's 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 a path to it, but he's done some media. I I think he's actually handled himself, you know, pretty respectable. Uh, he has a great read on things. He's not wrong when he says it's a lose lose for me. Uh, he's a hundred percent right. That was the first reaction I had with that fight. Is that there is no way Patty can win in this whole situation. He can win a fight and get a green mark on his topology page, but he ain't getting anything from this. He loses, he just lost to a wash Tony Ferguson. At least that's how people are going to brand it. And if he beats Tony Ferguson, yeah, he just beat a wash Tony Ferguson who's lost six in a row. There's not a lot to gain here. And he sees that. So which, like, my whole thing was, how is Patty going to approach this fight? Is he going to be super respectful and be real and be honest about it? Or is he just going to go full heel turn and just... Just put, not put, not put Tony. I don't, I don't even know. Like he's just gonna go full heel and be like, "I'm gonna kill this dude and put him in, put him in a retirement home." Uh, doesn't seem like that's the direction. But honestly, I kind of think that's what he should do. Because even if he loses, like, it, like if he goes out and wins, and it's like people are gonna boo the shit out of him, and then they don't want to see him get his comeuppance. And then his next fight is like must watch, as opposed to, eh, he just beat Tony. Probably going to lose to the next guy. You know what I mean? So, but Patty is handling this well. He's putting Tony over. Um, the one really negative thing I've seen is just kind of what everybody else is saying is like, why is he working with David Goggins? He thinks it's stupid. But as far as like the fight itself, he's been very respectful. So that's the approach and that's fine. But boy, oh boy, if Tony goes up, it beats Patty. Jeez Louise. That would be absolutely insane. All right. We got to go. Thank you all very much. Appreciate all the calls. Appreciate all of you. We'll be back tomorrow, 10 a.m. Eastern. We'll do it again. Um, I'm not sure when the UFC Austin weigh-ins are happening, but maybe we'll talk about them live. I don't really know. We'll have a preview show tomorrow at 1 p.m. Eastern to get you ready for not only UFC Austin, but the violence that will ensue in Salt Lake City with the BKFC card. And then Saturday people's pre-fight show post-fight fun we may even do like a watch like a little virtual watch party watch along thing uh for the 
top two BKFC fights, and just have some fun, you know? Just have some fun for the first weekend in December. But uh, don't forget, BTL, 12.30 p.m. Eastern. Should be a lot of fun. Lots to discuss with Jed and Shaheen Alshadi. Uh, but you're all the best. We'll see you tomorrow, 10 a.m. Eastern, for the live show. Have a great rest of your Thursday. And as always, have a heck of a morning, everybody. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.